who's in his mid-20s, speaking of forgetfulness, and uh, I spent an hour with him across the table. Very, very intense conversation. Um, I was really, like, helping him with some personal life stuff. He's really, some things are really, really bad in his life. And uh, he works with us at one of our locations at District. And I'm talking, like, really, very serious uh, to, he's like, hey, I want to follow up. Can we get back together next week? I'd love to spend more time with you and maybe even the week after. Like he wanted to re-engage. And he goes, I need to get your number. And, you know, like he should know my name, right? Like he should know, like, hey, the guy, this is a place he works. And one of the guys who started the business, a place he works. And he goes, all right, what's your number? And then I put it, he puts it in and goes, man, I forgot your name. I thought, wow, how about that? Dude, we just shared some really, really good intimate time, and you don't even know who I am. How about that? So don't take that personal. Um, So I got this really cool email um, from AT&T, and this is exactly what it said. Happiness is owning iPhone 8, iPhone 8 Plus, or iPhone X. And this was the other day. I was like, first of all, no one thinks those phones are cool anymore. So like, why? I mean, seriously, why are they marketing this, this phone to be cool? And then right underneath it in small print on a two-year agreement. So now you got to keep in mind, happiness on a two-year agreement will come to you to take advantage of this offer. So basically, if you want to be happy... Add to your cart an iPhone 8, iPhone 8 Plus, or iPhone X on a two-year agreement, and go ahead and click here now. And it just hit me like, man, and these guys, these are like AT&T, they really get it, right? These guys really, really get it. They know how we think. I mean, they, they sell us on a lot of stuff, and this is what the kind of stuff that they're pushing at us, and this is the story they're telling. If you want to be happy, all you have to do is press a button and you'll get a phone. And all of a sudden, all of your sadness will go away and everything in life will be good. Now, if we think about it like that, we know, well, that's a lie. But they're professionals at what they do. You got to remember that. These are the best of the best. They know how to make us as consumers Think about what makes us happy. And there's something, there's something funny about being made happy, and usually being made happy for us is about getting new stuff. Uh, how about, um, does, did anyone wear the same outfit last Wednesday night to youth? Raise your hand if you did. Yeah, good job, man. Evan, you did in the back? Okay. Most of us, make sure that we don't wear the same thing twice in a row. Can anyone relate to that? Yes, all of you, all of you, awful, awful people. Um, We make sure because why? There's something better about new. There's something better about having something different, not the same. How about, uh, and is anyone waiting for a new season out on Netflix for some kind of show you're waiting to, to watch soon. Yeah, like you're, season one was great and season two was great, but it's like, but I need something else, right? Like when's the next one 
coming out? How am I going to get the next thing that's going to make me feel the high, the energy? Because then I can talk about something and then I can share, yeah, I know what that's like too. And yeah, you saw that, I saw that. And all of a sudden we smile and all of a sudden because something new happens, we're happy. And it's a lot like this. Happiness, happiness often looks and feels to us like something that's new, something that's fresh. How about, and I know for, and you know, when I was younger, video games were like, like a straight up boys club. It was a boys club. Girls had no sense of video game awareness or care or anything. Now I've noticed that is not the case. Video games are boys and girls club. And guys and gals hang out together online playing video games. But like it, it, with a video game, I've, I've noticed as Fortnite has progressed and now into season eight, season one is like, hmm? Trash. Yeah, trash. Trees. <laughs> season two, season three, season four, and all of it is the same thing. It's the same story. If you think it's not working, if that, as dumb as that sounds, season five, <sighs> season six, <sighs> Season seven, season eight, a new skin, a new this, a new that. Oh my gosh, I need V-Bucks. Oh my God. And it's happiness surges. Happiness surges when we feel like there's something new. Uh, the climax of all things new in technology was, it was just a couple weeks ago. This five-year-old kid sitting next to me. This is a true story. And he has an iPad. He's looking at his iPad and he's playing. He's playing Fortnite. And I'm asking him questions about Fortnite. This, none of my kids are five. Gabe, you're not five, I don't think, <laughs> Judah. So these are none of my kids, but I'm just hanging out with them, like trying, you know, like an old dude trying to relate to the younger generation and stuff, like talking to the five-year-old. So like, how good are you? What level are you on? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he goes, I'm so bored right now, I can't even play Fortnite. He's so over the technology, the, oh, I'm so, this is boring me to death, but it's his favorite thing in the world. Like after talking to him, it's the best thing in his life, but he was so bored playing Fortnite. He literally got up, and he's, he's not putting on a show, right? I mean, this is how he really feels in that moment, and he just throws the iPad and just goes off and plays. And I thought, you know, that's a good, that's a good like real example of how most young people are. There's always something, and then that something bores us. But then we find something else, and that something eventually bores us. And then we find something else. And we think maybe, just maybe, the happiness will come. Y'all know this guy named Khalid? So he's an R&B, Apple Music, diagnoses him as an R&B soul artist. He's a little bit of a hip-hop feel. But he says this. Y'all know he has a song called Young, Dumb, and Broke. Yes. Anyone know that song? Yes. Wow. So Very surprising. That's 2016 of you. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Don't ask me questions like that. <laughs> so he says, what's fun about commitment? Now, Khalid, if you, like, when he wrote this, he's like 16, 17 years old. He might be like 18 or 19 right now. But what's fun about commitment? We have our lives to live. Yeah, we're just young, dumb, and broke. I, I like that song. Like, just on a, like, 
like on a musical level, on a feel level. When I hear that song, I like that song. And then I read what a, and he's, he's one of the writers of this song, and I read what this kind of this kid expresses as what he believes to be true. And once again, what's fun about commitment, man? Like, what's fun about that? We have a whole life to live. As if to say, if you really, and listen, this is the marketing that you got to be careful of. We're going to get into what the Bible would teach us, but you got to be careful. This is what culture is telling you. Hey, y'all, listen, there's nothing fun about things that stay like this. What's fun is season three, and then it's going to be season four, and then it's going to be season five. That's what's fun. Don't embrace the thing that is always the same, but rather always look for something that we'll say is fun. It'll make you happy. It's the next generation of things. And you just have to be careful because if you buy into that, I'll tell you what you're going to end up doing. You hop from relationship to relationship, person to person, musical scene to musical scene, friend to friend, Addiction to addiction. And it starts real fun like this. And it starts with us singing that song. And what's fun about commitment? We're just young, dumb, and broke. Let's have some fun. Change, man. Just always new and fresh. And then eventually we start buying into this mentality that, man, if I don't have this, if I don't have that, what does that say about me? What does everyone else think about me? How does that make me feel about myself when I look in the mirror and I look like this? You know, same thing. I can't wear the same thing every single week. What are people going to say? What does that say about me and who I am? I remember my first experience. I was like probably, I might have been 10 years old. First experience where I remember feeling like I needed something new. Y'all ever heard of Michael Jordan? He's a former basketball player. A lot of people say, most people say, and anyone who has common sense would say he's the best player of all time in the NBA. And so Michael Jordan was coming to Kenner. Shut up. Who knew Kenner could attract Michael Jordan? So he was going to the Pontchartrain Center, and he was going to kind of have this mini camp, and I knew it was coming. And, and when I was young, basketball was life. That's all I cared about was basketball. And so I knew Michael Jordan was coming, and you know if you're 10 and you get a chance to see Michael Jordan, the first thing he's going to do is look down at your shoes and see if they're fresh. You think that's true? But that's somehow in my brain, I thought, if I'm going to go to a Michael Jordan camp, I need some new kicks. And I had never had an expensive pair of shoes in my life that I can remember. I had like, you know, probably those Velcro or zip-up shoes. Like my parents didn't go hard on shoes for me at all. And so I remember somehow finding a way to figure out how to get like, it was like 80 or $90. And I went to the mall and I, I hustled it some, some way, somehow, out of some punk kid at school probably. Took his lunch and made, me pay, made him pay me for it. So I found 80 or 90 bucks and I went to the store and I bought these brand new shoes. Worst part about this story, they weren't even basketball shoes. I couldn't even, like I was so young, like cross training, lifestyle, basketball, I don't know. I just want some cool looking, good, nice new shoes because I'm about to meet Michael Jordan. 
And I remember, that was my very first memory of like sensing inside of me like pressure to need something new. I remember probably, it couldn't have been two or three more years after that. I was probably 12 or 13. Like any good parent would, my parents let me go down to the French Quarter with my older brother who was like 14 years old. <laughs> True story. And I went down to the French Quarter because there was this band named MXPX playing in the French Quarter on like the real divey, grungy side of the French Quarter. The kind of, part of the French Quarter series, I remember like, yo, what are we doing down here? This doesn't look safe. And it was in the evening, and I remember wearing my corduroy cutoff shorts <laughs> down to my knees, having the flannel wrapped around. Like This was like early to mid-90s, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. If you don't know those bands, you're a loser. Like These are the types of bands that we're in, and I felt like I'm down in the French Quarter, <laughs> the hardest part of town. 13 years old, no parents, no adults, just me and my big brother, ready to be killed out here. <laughs> That's how it felt. Like, and I, re I, rem I seriously remember, like, I remember walking down curbs, crossing streets, walking up curbs, and being like, dang, this is how it feels <laughs> to be alive. It's really what I, I felt like. I wouldn't have said it like that, but it's what it feels like to be big feels like to be grown up. And, and the way I would describe it now, I felt my independence. I felt that I didn't need a parent to be with me, to keep me safe. I could be in somewhat of a dangerous spot, but man, I was going to see this cool band. And I had cool clothes on. And I knew all the kids were going to be older than me. And there were going to be some young adults in there. It was an all-ages show. And I knew I was going to feel like showing up like, you see me, huh? I rem it was that feeling. That's how I describe it now. But I felt like I had worth almost because of the music I was going to listen to, because of the clothes that I had on, the, the city that I was in, my independence from my parents. I felt like identified somehow through, through my expression of how I looked, where I was going, the music I was listening to. And it was new. Now, you got to remember, I had never been there before, and there was something exhilarating almost about this experience. Now, you hear me tell that story, and you think to yourselves, dude, you, you do know that didn't make you cool. But this is how we feel. And it sounds silly, like you hear me now talking about something from 20 years ago, and you're like, that's funny that you were like that. But that's very normal. And so it looks like not wearing the same clothes. It looks like needing some new technology. It looks like always being ahead in reputation or in style or look or feel. And we call it stuff. Like stuff actually makes a difference. And we buy into this mentality that like, because when I meet the Michael Jordan of my school or the Michael Jordan of my life or at work or at play or at home or whatever, I need to look and feel a certain way. And then we start feeling grown up and we start feeling like we're enough, like we're full. Finally, I feel better about myself. And so... 
these, these shoes and experiences like the French Quarter, they make us feel full, but, but stuff is a lot like food. You feel full for a minute, but just give it another minute, and you'll want some more. Y'all know what it's like? Like, what's your favorite cookie? Like, we have these vanilla cream Oreos in my house right now that I bought for, like, this treat, you know, for the kids, but really it's not for the kids, it's really for me. And, and when I go buy it, it's like, if I could just get one real quick, and look, I'm sneaking this stuff too, right? Because I, if, I, if I let my kids see, then that means they can do it. Y'all didn't know that back there, did y'all? And so you just throw it back, and for a minute, I'm like, that was good. And then about 10 seconds later, I want another one. And then you go back into the kitchen, and you get another one. And then you go back in the other room and you think to yourself, this happened to me last night. <laughs> you think to yourself, I want another one. And you eat that other one. Y'all know this story? Has it ever happened to you? And you feel like if I could just get one, that'd be it. But is it ever really it? It's never really it. Stuff's like that. Stuff is like that. Let me tell you about some things that are fun that kind of reminds me of stuff. And these things are fun. I'm not saying all these things are good, but I am saying they're fun. Shopping is fun. A lot of the reason shopping is fun is because there's always something new with the season. And so if you go to the mall and you look at wherever you shop, PacSun or Forever 21, Hollister, please, nobody shop at Hollister. <laughs> like wherever it is and you see and you're like, ooh, 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 that's fun. I don't want to get that. I want to come back and get that. I want to come back and get that. And you'll find a way to manipulate or to hustle or to make money because it's fun. But don't worry, y'all. It's like Oreo cookies. It'll be back. You'll get it, but you're still going to be hungry. New haircuts are fun. That, that high bun, that high messy crazy bun right now with that pink scrunchie, it's fun. But don't worry, it'll only satisfy for a minute. Go ahead, everybody just go ahead and look at it real quick. Y'all are all wondering what it looks like. Turn around for it, show us. Straight nasty, y'all, look at it. How about this? This is fun, this is a good one. Everyone will relate to this. Noticing people notice you. When you see someone else seeing you, there's something inside of you. Have you ever felt that? Don't raise your hand. There's this cute guy, cute gal, and they see you and you see them when they see you. And there's something in that moment that feels alive. And you feel like, hmm, I feel like I got a new pair of shoes on right now. But watch out, because if you live in that long enough, it's not really fun. How about new technology devices, like we're talking about here? Fun. But just a year later, right, when you can get the upgrade, do you go to your, you go to your parents? Hey, you know that, that new one's coming out, and I feel like it'd be good if I got it 
because it'll make me safer when I drive. Could I get that new one? And it never stops. How about this? Thinking about possible scenarios if someone were to like you. Oh, that sounds fun. You know that feeling? I remember that feeling. I remember when I was in junior high and high school, and I remember laying in bed like, dang, I think she does like me. Because I noticed how she was noticing me, and I was on the court, and I shot that three-pointer, and I looked up, and she was looking at me. Hmm. And what if, what if she did like me? Do I like her? Hmm. You know what's real fun? Going to talk to your friends about that too and telling them, guess what? This is fun. You want to hear what I got to say about this person? And look, it's funny. It really is funny. But like this is real. And this is what we do. We hop from that thing. And then eventually she's really, she really doesn't like you. And so you're like, dang, well, maybe she likes me. No, she thinks you're ugly. (laughs) Well, then maybe I'll just go bowling with my guy friends then. You're the worst bowler. Well, then maybe I'll go listen to the new album. It always makes me happy. It's a sad album this time. Well, maybe I heard that it's cool to e-cig. So maybe I'll start smoking. And it doesn't stop. Well, maybe that cigarette wasn't really making me feel good. Maybe I just need more sleep. Maybe. And you bounce. And you look for stuff to grab. Stuff to grab. Maybe it'll make you happy. One day you'll wake up and you'll feel like something's different. Like something's changed. How about growing up and realizing that they don't laugh at you anymore because you're a loser, but rather they laugh at you because they think that you're funny. And there's these moments in kids' lives where they recognize like, whoa, I kind of have a new pair of shoes on. I feel like people think I'm funny. And then people reach with humor to become a different type of person that they never would have been before. Start saying things that they never would have said because of what it makes them feel. Or how about looking in the mirror for the first time ever? Or maybe in a while and think, I think I'm pretty. I think I look good today. And you bounce from thing to thing. The junior high and the high school season of life is filled with this question. What will make me enough? What will make me finally one day enough? So we find ourselves always aware of the lack in ourselves. I mean, if I pointed out to all of you, tell me one thing you hate about yourself, I bet you all of you could say one, two, or five things. Because you're you're constantly, I think as humans, apart from Jesus, and the best part of this time together is going to be when we talk about Jesus in a few minutes, but I'm just trying to paint a picture for you guys. Apart from Jesus, I think we look for ways to matter. We look for ways to be enough. We look for people to sign off on us. And But here's the bad news, y'all. You'll never be enough. It's never, it's never, you're never, it's like you always need another Oreo. 
Because you're going to look around and you're going to see that there's always someone prettier. There's always someone funnier. There's always someone more gifted in music. There's always someone who's going to be smarter than you, more athletic than you. They're, they're, going, to, they're going to have parents that don't embarrass them the way your parents embarrass you. Always people with a better family than yours and more money than yours with nicer cars than yours, nicer house than yours, better food in the fridge than yours, better Christmases than yours. It's hopeless. And this is what stuff does. Stuff tells us this story that, hey, 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 listen. If you get this, it'll be better. And I want to expose stuff as not just random stuff, but I want to expose it as the lie of the devil in your life. This is what's true about what's really going on in our culture. That the devil is trying to persuade us to believe that these things will actually have our lives make sense. And this happened way back in Genesis when the devil started speaking into the ears of Adam and Eve and saying like, hey, you see that over there? That looks good, doesn't it? And if you, if you get that, see, it's a, it's a lot. It's like these shoes. It's like, and if you get that, it's going to be better. So why don't you go get it? And what did they do? They went and got it. But if you know the story of Adam and Eve, when they ate that fruit, did it make things better? Or did it make things worse? And we know the story goes that it made things worse, not better. So none of these things will satisfy. And so the rest of the night, I just want to point you to Jesus. Because I really believe that he satisfies I was 16 years old, sitting in a youth camp, in camp environment, and I remember where I was sitting. It was kind of in that direction. And I remember like something gripping me and kind of pointing me to something far outside of myself, but to him. It was that night that I found Jesus for the first time ever to be beautiful, attractive, compelling, like something in me was drawn. Now, I'm going to tell you what it was before that. Girls. I had this attraction toward playing sports. Like it was the kind of thing that I couldn't sleep sometimes because it was just so obsessive for me. Like this is all I want to do. I want to be the best. I want to win. I want to and it was just like, and for the first time when I was 16, I found something else to be true about what beautiful was. And I can tell you, my life has completely changed as a result of seeing Jesus as this. So we just want to read through this story in hopes that we can find beauty in Jesus because the truth is, those things that you bounce to and from, they will only make you more sad in life.
because this is what's going to happen. You'll reach it, you'll get it, and then you'll think to yourself, nothing's different. Now what? And you bounce enough and long enough and you come to a place of just complete, like, give up. It's fun for a second. Jesus, on the other hand, is different. So in Matthew chapter 9, we're going to jump in here in verse 27. It says this, And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, now, when I read that, I think to myself, followed him from where? So if you go back up, there are two things that happen. Jesus is walking, and someone comes to him at this place and says, look, my, one of my, my child died. Can you please come and pray? Essentially hoping for resurrection. And so he says, sure, I'll come pray. So he's walking. Maybe these two blind men heard that. Maybe they were with him at the time. That's what my mind is thinking. He's on his way to go see this child who died. And then there's a woman who's got an issue somehow in her body for last more than 10 years. And she says to herself, that man, his name is Jesus. I've heard about him. There's something about him where he has something that I am looking for, that no doctor has been able to cure. The Bible tells she spent all of her money. She bought all of the shoes. She got all the stuff. She, but she said, but that guy, I hear that him. And so on his way, she goes and touches him. And guess what happened to her? She was healed from the inside out. He did in her what nothing else on this earth could do. And this is just on his way, and he's not even really doing anything. He's just walking, and there's crowds of people all around him. I mean, he, this man is so powerful that even if you were to touch him, he didn't even have to touch you. Imagine if he touched you. <laughs> so this woman's healed, and then he gets to his destination place. This is where he's coming from, that it says these two blind men maybe were following after this, following him. And he goes in, he lays hands on this, on this child, and guess what happens to this child? He actually, instead of this child touching him like the woman did, he touched this child. And guess what happened to the child? Raised back to life. See, when, when Jesus gets involved, what we see is that people's lives change in ways that we, how, how, how can that happen? Much like us searching, bouncing. See, but I want to point you to Jesus because when he gets involved, there's some measure of satisfaction, something that you could never manufacture from something somewhere else. He does something that is supernatural. He changes something that you don't know how to fix. And you search and you search. And so this is, this is the story that these men come upon. It says, once again, in verse 27, as he passed on from there, two blind men followed him. So they got to be saying to themselves, whoa, if he could do that for them, we can't see. You think he could do something to change us? And everyone's different. And everyone needs a separate miracle. Some of you are so confident, you don't, you don't have insecurities. You're not worried about whether or not so-and-so is thinking of you. You just struggle with pride, man. You think 
ah, no one is as good as me. And do you see what her hair looks like tonight? And oh my gosh, he wore that again? And some of you are on the other side and you're saying, man, I, uh, everyone thinks of me and I'm not good enough. And if I did this and if I tried that, if maybe I tried that. And there's all sorts of us in here, whether we are blind or have blood issues or we're dead, Jesus meets people in miraculous ways that the culture and the stuff that it offers could never accomplish. And we're all different. And he, he alone has what it takes to change your life. All these people, you think these blind men didn't do whatever technology could afford them back then? You think this woman didn't do whatever she could do? You think the dead, the dead child, you think the parents didn't try to bring every and any and all doctors in and try to fix this thing and, and none of it worked. Just like stuff doesn't work. Not that we look at Jesus to satisfy us and we'll see in a moment how we actually look at him, but he is the one we look to and he changes us. And so they followed him and they were crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. Now I want you to see yourselves for the next few minutes through these men. And then we're going to close. Just for the next few minutes, I want you to ask yourself questions about you and whether or not you relate to who these men are. They're crying aloud. The first thing that I see when I, when I see crying aloud is this. They actually had some energy and something to say about their great need. Stuff puts us to sleep. And I have found often young people don't really have some cry within them about their great need. They went crying aloud, have mercy on us. There was this expression. I want, to, I want you to ask yourself, do you have an expression inside of you that looks like this? I am broken, God, and nothing outside can fix me. He said, crying aloud and have compassion on me. Like, do you see the need inside of me is what these men were saying. Like, there is a problem in here. And then they said this, son of David, declaring this about Jesus. And this is important for us. Jesus, you are the one who God has always talked about from the beginning of time that would one day come through the line of David, King David, and he would make all things new. He would make all things right. Everything that's upside down inside of me that I'm trying to fix through all of these other means and places and people, all of those things, son of David, you're the one who God said would be able to change me. There's a confession from these men. It's a confession that says Jesus is the one. He is the hope. It goes on. And when he entered the house, the blind men came, came to him and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Essentially he says this, do you think it's true? Now, this is a good question for us. If you grew up in church, this is a difficult question. But I want to ask you, just like he asked them, and Jesus might even be asking you, 
Do you think it's true that Jesus is the one who can do this? See, I think all of you recognize the brokenness in your life. And I hopefully spelled that out through some stuff that we talked about earlier, like some identifiable things inside of you that say, check, broken, broken. I know what that feels like, check. And then Jesus says, do you think that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I am the one who changes people from the inside out? Do you think that I am the one who has what you need to be different? I think a lot of times in church we grow up, and I grew up in church, I remember the feeling of kind of like, almost like sometimes it just felt like God didn't really matter. There were more things important than like, it was boiled down to this like, then what? Reading my Bible? I guess that matters, but like, I'd rather listen to music. And there's this, there's this confession in that moment, for sure inside of me, there was just like, it, was, it wasn't something I would vocalize, but it may be something that it was felt and maybe felt in you. There's a lot of other things that I think make me happy, or happier, at least. Jesus doesn't really do that for me. And that's something to consider. It's something to think about. If there is far more passion and excitement for fill in the blank that gets you going, man, and then you show up at church or like you don't even like think about anything outside of, you're in church and you think about God, but then other places like he's not even present. There's something there like, do you believe that I am able to do this? And I want to I tell you tonight, he is able to do this. Jesus is the one that you in your heart, you're trying to figure out where, how, how do I fit in and where's the, all the things about you and the stuff that you're trying to gather. None of that is the answer. I'm pointing you to the answer. His name is Jesus. He's the answer. So do you think, I am able? And they said, yes, Lord. And this, this yes is pretty obvious, but Lord is like, you're the one who dominates this category. That's what they were saying. Like, you are the only one who can, like, you think those guys didn't try stuff to get healed of their blindness? They knew the answer. Nothing works. Many of you know the answer. It doesn't work. And so they categorically say, Yes, Lord, if, if not you, then what? Then who? Because none of this stuff works. So yes, Lord, I believe that you're the only one who can change me on the inside. And he says, and then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. Now, wouldn't it be so cool if God just showed up like that and changed us like this? Like, wasn't that fun? Wouldn't it be so cool if God just showed up in a moment? Do you believe? Yes, I believe. Bam, everything's better. Does it, does it ever happen like that to you? Because it doesn't happen like that to me. Let me show you what it more so happens like. 
You see that? Oh. And you see this little guy? See the one with my left hand down there? That's Judah. Judah's like at my hip. Both of these ages, these guys are seven years old. And we're going to wrap up with this. More what it looks like. And this is what we started when he, these guys were seven. Me and, me and these guys, one at a time, we would go and hang out at a coffee shop. Now, the key to a seven-year-old's heart is sugar. So I would take them to a coffee shop, and we'd sit across from each other. And in the beginning, I remember feeling frustrated because it wasn't like three minutes when I was with Gabe, and he was like, he didn't care about anything I wanted to talk about. He just was like done with his cookie and ready to go home. And the reason I took him out, because I wanted to basically buy time, sugar buy, right? Like, hey, I'll buy you sugar. You hang out with me across the table. That's really what I did. And what my goal was, starting at seven, and now what I try to do with these guys once a week, and this is this, getting back to what this kind of really feels like for me and my experience with Jesus, it looks a lot like this. If you come in on, on any given Sunday at the Starbucks in Kenner on West Esplanade, you know the one right out there by the Esplanade Mall, the Has-Been Mall. And so there's this Starbucks out there, and if you come in there at about 8.30 or 9 o'clock, you might see me hanging out with either Gabe, Jude, or Isaiah, or Maisie, now that she's seven. And it looks like this. Their old, lame dad sitting across from them and talking about God saying, you know, I was reading in the Bible and I thought about you and your brothers and how y'all relate to each other. By the way, how you been getting along with Isaiah lately? Not good. <laughs> so what's that like? It's hard. You want to you wanna get along with him? Yeah. But it's always him. He's the one who always makes everything bad in my life. Well, what do you think God would say about that? And we just talk about that for a minute. You been getting along with mom lately? Yeah, pretty much. And then, hey, you got anything you want to talk about? Like maybe something that happened to you that was bad or some way you're sinning in your life. And it's called confession. Like you want to talk about anything that maybe is broken inside of you? That's hard for you to talk about. And sometimes they'll say yes. And sometimes they'll say no. And then I'll follow with one of my things. Say, look, me, my sin this is what I've done lately. And like, yeah, I need to get better. Hey, you want to pray? You want to ask God to do something? And oh, I'll see you next month. And we'll just do it again. And I'll see you a month later and we'll do it again. And you're still going to be broken in a month, but we'll just do it again. And six months from now, you're still going to be messed up and maybe even more messed up. And you're going to feel guilty for some things you've done, but we'll do it again. And there's something in those moments that I'm reminded about what a relationship looks like with a father. And it doesn't, what it doesn't look like is like everything is perfect in that coffee shop environment. Sin is confessed. Boredom is there. They're cold. They want to leave. They just drank a frappuccino and the AC is on. They're shivering. And they're not really, really processing what I'm saying. They're just ready to go. And you know what? It's okay. We'll be back next month. And we'll work through it then. 
And let's bring a jacket next time. <laughs> but this is what it looks like. We read these scriptures, and a lot of times it feels like, man, if only God would do that. But can I tell you what Father God really is like? He's, he's sitting across a table, not utterly disappointed in the fact that you're not different yet, that you're still struggling with these same things. You still can't figure this stuff out. What he is interested in is being with you. And he loves you unconditionally. And the expression of that love is the story of Jesus. And it's reminders. Those stories tell us that is how he feels toward me. This is who God is. He's like a dad sitting at a coffee shop. And as long as these dudes will let me hang out with them and buy them a cup of coffee and a muffin or a chocolate chip cookie, I will never stop buying it. I will always hang out with them. They will be jacked up. Just give them like five years and they're 17, 18, they're trying to figure it all out, and they're making bad choices with girls and college and all the junk that's going to come with their lives. Y'all may make great choices. I don't know. But if they make bad choices with this stuff, you know what? I'm going to be there. And it's going to be like that. It's going to be a process of time. So I want to encourage you guys, believe in the miracle that Jesus can do in your life. Refuse to believe that stuff in this culture can solidify you and make you who you want to be. Believe that God is patient through the process with you. He's not giving up. He's going to be there. He'll buy you something sweet. That's a joke. He won't buy you anything sweet. Let's all stand up. I think Evan's going to come back up. Thank you all for letting me hang out with you guys tonight. Thank you so much, Aaron. What a question that Jesus asks these, these men here. Do you believe that I can do this? Because so often, and, and this, is, this is a concern for Christian young people, it's a concern for all of us, honestly. Um, we believe that Jesus is plastic and that plastic things are golden. And we live in a, a culture that is always reinforcing that. And that's one of the, one of the reasons why it's, it's so difficult to live faithfully as a Christian, to, to, to stay Christian in this world. It's, it's not always just this kind of direct assault, hey, what you believe is nonsense, and, and that is present in the world around us, and you'll encounter that more and more as you go through life. But we just live in a world where there's so many other options, and, and Aaron just did an excellent job of exposing them for what they are and, and helping us see Jesus for who he is. And that's what this whole series is about. Let's expose the lies for what they are and, and, and let's, let's be captured again and again by the real deal, the real savior. And let's have our imagination and our hearts captured by the story of his love and of his power. And that, and that happens in, in moments like this, and that happens in ordinary places of the AC in your room is too cold, but you're, you're sitting there with your Bible open, and your Father is speaking with you, and, and your Savior 
is on display in those pages. So I want to pray for us tonight, and I want to pray for those moments, because it's just, it's so easy, and those are the moments where we, we tend to turn to stuff, and you pull out your device, and you try to find something somewhere that'll kind of release some endorphins in your brain real quick, give you a quick quick sense that there's something entertaining and exciting out there, and that that is gone as, as fast as it comes. So I pray God's favor on us as, as we visit with him because we know Jesus is not plastic. He is powerful. He is beautiful. And he's, he's worthy of our attention. We, we dare not tear away our eyes from him, but we, we need to see him in that way. So let's pray. Lord, we... We thank you for clarity, Lord. We thank you for what your word does. We thank you for what preaching does, Lord. It, it, it shows us the way things really are. Because all the way back since Genesis 3, Lord, there, there, there have been other stories that have been told and deception that has been spun out. And we are we're prone to believe it. Lord, we sang tonight prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Lord, tomorrow, Lord, we, will, we will easily wander into the belief that if, if, if I could only get some item or some person's attention, that's going to fix me. That's going to make me happy. So God, I, I pray, I pray tonight, I pray for tomorrow, I pray for the, just the normal days ahead where we navigate life in this world, in all of its advertisements, in all the messages that come streaming in, we, 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 we can't avoid them, really. Life today, they're going to come at us. But Lord, would there be a more compelling picture of Christ? Lord, these blind men, these blind men saw him clearly. Even though they couldn't see physically, even, even though they, 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 they couldn't have a visible picture of who he was, they, they saw him for what he was. God, may that be true of us. And Lord, would that happen in just the normal places of coming to youth group, singing songs of worship to you, Lord, having our affections captured, these truths going deep inside of us, Lord, opening up our Bibles and praying to you. God, meet with us in these moments. Lord, we, we need something so much more than a plastic Jesus. And so, God, would, would he be more real to us than ever? And we, we wouldn't be taken in by the counterfeit and what truly is plastic out there. So help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again, Aaron. I don't remember your name, but I really appreciate you. It's just what happens when, when Matt's in a room, he just pulls all the attention to him, so it, it confused me.